Hey, I know you're here for the podcast, but give me 30 seconds to talk about a new service we just released for anyone working in a CPG brand. Finding the perfect co-packer or supplier can be a real pain. You spend hours Googling options, texting your colleagues, asking around different Slack groups, and still you get nothing. That's why we created Fiddle Connect Consulting, a done-for-you service that does all of the hard work of finding your dream co-packer or supplier. Best of all, it's 100% guaranteed and you get three free months of Fiddle Inventory Operations software included. Interested? Just go to lp.fiddle.io forward slash FCC. That's lp.fiddle.io forward slash FCC. Now, on with the episode. Welcome to the Physical Product Movement, a podcast by Fiddle. We share stories of the world's most ambitious and exciting physical product brands to help you capitalize on the monumental change in how, why, and where consumers buy. I'm your host, Ken Ojuka. In this episode of the Physical Product Movement Podcast, I talk with Claire Pay, CEO and founder of Unite Food. Her story is awesome, how as an immigrant, she was dissatisfied with the nutritional bars in the grocery aisle, and how that inspired her to start a line of nutritional bars with a culturally diverse flavor profile. Clara launched her food brand right as the pandemic was starting, and immediately had to rip up her marketing plan and cancel trade show booths due to the pandemic. She talks about how she views the pandemic as a great equalizer for up-and-coming food brands like hers, and how she was able to thrive and grow her company in the middle of such a difficult and unprecedented time. Clara was a great guest. I hope you enjoy this interview. All right, Clara, how you doing? I'm great, Ken. Yeah, hey, welcome to the podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to jump on. Um, I, I'm actually pretty excited to talk to you, um, just understanding that you launched your brand, uh, Unite Food about a year ago. Um, and I, and I think it's a very interesting year to launch a product. And I think that, uh, that you'll have some interesting things that you could share with us about it. For sure. But first let's, let's kick it off with a quote. Uh, is there, is there, um, a quote that you could share with us that's been impactful to you? I do have a good one. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. And I think for me being like a 40 something first time entrepreneur, it's really, you're never too old to set another goal or to dream a new dream by Les Brown. And oh, I think, awesome. yeah, and I think so many people get in the track so early in life, like in your 20s, you don't realize it, but that first job that you choose really sets you on your life on a trajectory. And it takes a lot of um, self-reflection and guts, so to speak, to really change the trajectory of your life. If you're in a career path or a field that you don't necessarily love it's never too late and I think that a lie a lot of people tell themselves is it's too late I'm too old I don't know enough like you can always acquire the knowledge um, you might have to take a pay cut and you might have to like start from the beginning but that it would be so worth it if it's something you're truly passionate about rather than just like phoning it in yeah, that's awesome and in fact um, I think contrary to what what a lot of people believe um, uh, entrepreneurs in their forties, that's actually the norm. 
You know, that's, that's where most people start businesses. Sometimes we get into our head, you know, thinking that you have to be 20 something to, to start a business, but, but that's not true. Um, and then kind of along the same, the same lines, uh, I was just listening to the story of the KFC founder oh, and uh, exactly. he was in his, in his sixties when yeah. he started KFC. He sure was. And Vera Wang was in her forties when she started Vera Wang. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. That's a great quote. All right. So why don't we, um, why don't you just tell us a little bit about Unite Food and um, what makes you guys unique for, for those who've never heard of your brand? So Unite is the world's first globally inspired protein bar. Um, it was really born out of my own um, frustration and wellness in that I didn't really see flavors that I wanted to eat in, in health food. So like, you know, when you want to eat healthy, there's all these flavors that are offered to you. And like the predominant one being, you know, like apple pie or blueberry or, you know, I'm talking about protein bars or like peanut butter and chocolate. And it just seemed like a lot of the flavors out there were just run of the mill same flavors and being from a different culture myself, you know, I just didn't really identify with those flavors. And I didn't think that, you know, others in my same situation would identify with them. And that's why I kind of created Unite Food. It's, um, I took inspiration from the world and the world around me and the cultural and heritages that have impacted me the most and created this, um, new category and better for you kind of ethnic wildness, but you know, it's been a, it's been an interesting flavor journey for me coming up with the flavors. And then, you know, we also introduced a peanut butter and jelly at our launch and people don't understand how that fits into the set. And really it's about the mission of the brand uh, to unite everyone. And my American heritage and culture is just as important to me. So I didn't want to leave anybody behind. So we always say we're building a bigger wellness table, one where everybody can have a seat. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so you mentioned uh, coming from a different culture. What's your background? Uh, where are you from? So I was born in the Sudan in Africa, so I'm Sudanese, and my parents were born there and like multi-generational. And um, in the early 80s, my dad and mom didn't, you know, saw that there would be no opportunity for us, their kids in Africa. And so they picked up and moved to America. I mean, they had three kids under the age of five, which is nuts to me. I can't even yeah. get, you know, across the country with three kids under the age of five in my own country, <laughs> <laughs> right? So they're like move countries, move cultures. And we immigrated here and, you know, we're on political and religious asylum and started over in Los Angeles. So that's kind of where I grew up. And how old were you at that time when you guys I was, moved? I was just under five. I was four years old. Okay. Okay. All right. And so uh, I love the mission. Um, I love the mission. Um and so maybe you could describe a little bit more about, you know, what you saw in the grocery aisle and, you know, what about it wasn't, you know, really resonating uh, with you. Well, it was really through just personal experience. I wasn't one of those people that sat back and said, okay, what's missing in this space and how can I like fill this need? It was um, a personal journey. So I relied on protein bars to kind of fill my days. I was a busy executive working crazy hours, traveling all over the place and Protein bars were really like a crutch in my fuel, and I, but I just didn't like them. And I didn't know why I didn't like them until, you know, I would go to the market and like try to find one that I would like, but they were all the same. They all were the same flavors over and over. And it kind of just like hit me, like there isn't any variety, true variety here. It was like, which is ironic to say in the space that's so crowded, but there isn't variety, but there truly wasn't like culturally relevant 
um, flavors to choose from. So I grew up in LA, so we have access to every type of cuisine and um, ethnic background that you can think of. You know, if you want a great Filipino food or if you want a great Vietnamese food or if you want a great Japanese or of course, Spanish and Mexican food, um, you can find it. And so I, you know, it's like, I think what makes where I live in this country so amazing is it's like fabric of cultures and influence. Um, and I just didn't see that reflected in wellness at all. And, it, you know, kind of like the big realization was like, it's really hard to stay on a healthful path in wellness if none of the flavors you're being offered really you can relate to or things you normally would eat or normally want to eat. So it's fine to say, yeah, eat a bunch of kale, but if you don't like kale, <laughs> you're not going to eat it. Right. It'll be short lived. All right. So, so you were talking just a little bit about LA, um, LA being a, a huge hub, you know, for a bunch of different cultures, lots of different yeah. cuisines. Um, could you take it from there? Sure. You know, like I'm, super thankful to have been brought up in Los Angeles where, you know, the ethnic influence is everywhere. And so whether you want to go eat Filipino food or Vietnamese food or great Japanese or great Spanish or Mexican food, like there are plenty of authentic places to choose from. And really, you know, maybe I'm, you know, I have this perspective because I too am an immigrant, but I think that's what makes this country great is this like that melting pot a variety that we have that gives us diversity of thought and diversity of culture and new, you know, new opportunities to try and understand the world around us. So, you know, I took that inspiration and saw that wellness really needed that diversity. And, you know, we want to be that brand that stands for diversity and wellness. You know, we want to bring in global flavors for those that you know might want to taste of home or those that are just adventurous eaters and want to try different things. And so for those who, who haven't seen, uh, what what flavors do you have? Um, so you mentioned pe peanut butter and jelly. Um, I yeah. see you, you have a, a churro flavor as well. Yeah, we launched uh, in March with a churro flavor and a Mexican hot chocolate as well. You know, and churro gets its inspiration from Spain and Portugal. Um, and, you know, it's just delightfully you know, cinnamony and sweet and got little bits of like crunch in it. And then we've got Mexican hot chocolate. It was a rich chocolate, dark chocolate with almonds. And then it's got like a sprinkling of chili in it. So it's got like a little bit of a lingering heat, but not much because like kids are actually the biggest fan of that one because it's like basically looks and tastes like a candy bar, but wink, wink, it's super healthy because the first ingredient is almond butter and almonds and it's got have seeds in it and it's super um, full of omegas and, and, you know, things that help boost your immunity and keep you full too, because they're high fiber. That's great. Yeah. Um, could you talk just a little bit more about the nutritional profile? Yeah. So the bars are all gluten-free and have 10 grams of protein, which, you know, is a great amount of protein to keep you satiated. And they're, they have prebiotic fiber in them, which you know, we hear a lot about probiotics, but probiotics don't work unless you've got prebiotics in your system already. And prebiotics are what cause the probiotics to work um, in your tummy. And, you know, the first ingredient is always a nut butter. And it's got um, usually a variety of nuts and hemp seeds. Um, it's sweetened with dates and it's just super um, healthy and healthful. So we get a lot of nutritionists that reach out to us and tell us that like our macros are perfect. And we've had like lots of articles written about us because um, we're under 200 calories. We're high protein, high fiber, and kind of that ideal um, nutrition deck for wellness, which was really important to me. 
Yeah, that's great. And you mentioned you, you've got a couple little kids too. And so you, you, you're you obviously developing this with them in mind. And co-developing it, right? Like they're my case testers. So you know, kids <laughs> are great. They're a great barometer of honesty because they won't eat something that doesn't taste good. So, you know, you have to, I kind of like formulate with them in mind. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and I've got a few kids myself and yeah, they're definitely not shy about telling you when they don't like something. Exactly. So, okay, so I, I want to rewind just a little bit. Um, you know, you mentioned that you're a, 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 you were a busy executive. What, what were you doing? What, were you, uh, what was your work? So for 17 years, I ran my family business, which is plumbing, manufacturing, and distribution, which is like totally different. Um, but really, there's a lot of parallels in distribution and logistics that there are in food. Um, but we uh, sold plumbing supplies nationwide mm-hmm. and internationally. Um, you know, it's rough plumbing. So it's not like the sexy, beautiful shower heads. It's kind of like the stuff behind the walls that makes it all work. And we did like appliance connectors and things like that. Okay. And so, so you're, you're working in that business and you are dissatisfied with what you're finding in the grocery store. Uh, I, I want you to just kind of tell us a story of, you know, when did you know that you wanted to create a bar? Um, what were some of the first things that you did in order to validate the idea to see if this is even something that that was possible? You know, just the the very early days of coming up with this idea. I've always been a problem solver, right? And I think that if there's a problem, like I want to solve it. So before actually I did the protein bars, I also launched a line of kids swimwear, which was to basically trick my kids into wearing their sun hats. So that brand is called Tiny <laughs> Crowns. And, you know, I noticed that like kids didn't want to wear their sun hats. And so I was, you know, perplexed as to why, because that was the easiest way to protect them. And we have skin cancer in our family. So I, and I wanted to protect their scalp. Mm-hmm. And there really isn't a great way to do that. You can put sunscreen, but it'll run into their eyes. So the best solution is just to wear their sun hat. But of course, kids don't want to wear them. And it was just like very frustrating thing at the pool or the beach or just being outside. And so I tricked them by making them into costumes. So I put crowns on hats and firemen, I mean, fireman hats and princess hats and unicorn hats and ninja hats and made like full um, UPF 50 um, rash guards and shorts to go with them so that it was Mm -hmm. part of a costume and that tricked them into just being protected. Oh, very cool. And so, yeah, I've kind of always just seen obstacles and wanted to solve them. And I was, you know, very happy in my family business and grew the business and it's, you know, but it was a lot. And I was a mom and wanted to do something that also was a little bit more authentic to me, wanted to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Um, And I turned 40 and, you know, like kind of like my quote, that quote that we went over, you know, it's never too late to, you know, cast a new dream for yourself, basically. You're never too old to set another goal or dream a new dream. Um, I thought, yeah, this is something that needs to be done. And I got really passionate about the mission um, of of offering diverse flavors in wellness because there are lots of people who want to eat better but don't relate to health food. And if we can create that bridge, then we can really have an impact. Yeah, very cool. So, okay. So what was the first thing that you did um, towards launching this? So the first thing I did was I go into my kitchen and say like, what would I make if I was like, you know, making an ideal nutrition profile um, snack to eat for me and my kids. And like literally went to Trader Joe's, you know, bought a bunch of ingredients and just started experimenting. 
and, you know, played with flavor and like had my best friends. I'm lucky that I have best friends from all over the world. So, you know, one best friends from Mexico city and one's Peruvian and one's Japanese and one's Filipino and just had them all taste the things that I was coming up with in my kitchen. And when they really liked it, I knew, okay, that then it's close. And then I found a food scientist to help me kind of make it, you know, manufacturable and, you know, kind of convert my kitchen formula into a production ready formula and then found a co-packer and launched the brand. So, I mean, that sounds like it's so easy, but there's like a million little steps in between all of that. Um, but, you know, probably worked on it for a year and a half before my launch in March. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to ask next is, you know, what was the timeline from idea to to actual launch to product in hand? Yeah, it was about 18, about, about a year to have product in hand and then launching, you know, we had our first run in January of last year, and, you know, with the intention of launching at Expo West, which, you know, we had our trade show booth set up and we were ready to go and ready mm-hmm. to like, make our impact. And then obviously the entire world shut down at that same moment. And so it was in one part a blessing. I, you know, people didn't see it that way. So a lot of people were coming up to me saying, oh, I'm so sorry that this is happening right when you launched your brand. And to me, it was an equalizer. So everybody was going through COVID, right? The entire world. It wasn't like my competition had an edge on me other than they already had retail relationships and they already had, you know, things maybe further along, but we were all in the same boat. So we all had to pivot. And there was this great network of natural, I I was new to natural products and I didn't know anybody in the industry. But a lot of um, leaders out there rallied around emerging brands and gave us a voice and gave us a chance to tell our story. And like that would never have happened in the plumbing industry where I came from. Right. So I even fell in love more with the industry after that. I got, mm-hmm. you know, to go on Startup CPG with Daniel Sharp and, you know, Ray Latif put us on Elevator Talk and we just got a, a platform and a chance to, you know, for me to tell about the bar and about the mission. and. And, and things went well for us last year. We got into retailers, we opened up distribution. So it, we still were able to move the business forward. And, but we're really excited about what's to come this year. Yeah. So you mentioned, you know, Startup CPG um, and that you found a, a community. Um, what, are, what are some of the other communities um, that you plugged into or ways in which you, you found other people who were kind of going through this as well? Oh, there's so many great ones. So the Tardigrade program with Elliot Began, Food Buddy with Jordan, um, you know, even platforms like Snack Magic and Snack Nation all created kind of like a community for us. And then, you know, I mean, like in a female CPG food founder group, um, the network of executive women, there's so many literally to choose from. And so, you know, for somebody who might be going through, you know, something similar, um, trying to get plugged in, you know, what's what's the best way to to find these types of groups? It seems like like, you know, you're connected to so many, but is there any specific way that you even found out that they existed? LinkedIn. So LinkedIn is such a powerful tool for learning your industry, this industry specifically, like lives on LinkedIn. So a lot of people use it. A lot of founders use it. A lot of investors use it. So it's a great opportunity to um, learn what's kind of going on in the industry, follow people that you admire. That's what I do. You know, I see what they're commenting on and I, that I follow more people. And, you know, at the beginning of this, probably last March, you know, I might have gone on LinkedIn like once in a while, but like 
you know, in my previous industry, it was just like a place where you just got solicited. It wasn't like really where my industry interacted. We interacted mm-hmm. more at trade shows. Um, and then, but natural food, I was like, wow, this is like, there's a flurry of activity on LinkedIn. And so when I got on there and, you know, now I probably have like 3000 connections. Okay. Yeah. That's a great tip for people. Um, and so it sounds like, you know, you had to, to, you know, like, the, like everybody else, you had to pivot, um, your plans, uh, for, for launching your brand. I'm curious what else, what else changed? So you, you mentioned, um, um, uh, what was it? Uh, natural foods. Um, is that Expo West? Is that the, the one that you mentioned or was it? Yeah. Expo West was in March. Yeah. So everything got canceled. And so, you know, we just started network. I, I just started networking with people in the industry and, you know, got a chance to pitch some retailers and had some wins. And so, you know, we went into Bristol farms in June um, of last year and have just like great success there at a time when like the industry was down, our velocity was so high uh, with Bristol and we never promoted it even there. So it was just, you know, our everyday price. And we sold so many bars and people really loved the product. And so that gave me the encouragement to just keep going. Right. And trying to, you know, also to develop our direct consumer business to help because you've had to pivot Um, and just, you know, we opened up Kehi and UNFI warehouses. So it just, it was all, it was a building year. So it was like laying foundation, meeting the right people, hiring the right, um, team members to kind of help, um, help with the growth. And so for those who don't know Bristol farms, can you describe that a little bit? Oh, sure. Bristol farms is a, a chain of grocery stores in Southern California. It's higher end, really high quality produce and high quality meats and seafood. And um, it's just, it was a great test for us. A great way to see how our brand would do at retail. Yeah, it's a great store. And so um, how did you get connected with them? You know, did you, did you reach out to them? Did you send them samples? Did you meet their buyers? How, how did that work? I went into the local store and pitched the store manager. And so that's how it started. You know, you've got to like knock on the doors, right? And it'll be opened. And so pitched the store manager who connected me to the buyer who brought it in. And it was awesome because it was a chance to show, you know, I'm local. So I live in the area. And so it was a way for them to highlight their local, um, local residents. And so having a local brand there is something that's important to them to engage with their community. So it was a win-win for both sides. Right, right. And in fact, I think that's something that um, that's more and more common is a lot of grocery stores um, and, and different chains are, are trying to highlight um, smaller up and coming brands, um, local brands, um, healthy brands. Um, and so and so they're actually more open to to talking to you than, than I think most people would realize. Yeah, I think it's about connection. And so you can't be afraid to go after what you want. And so in COVID, actually emerging brands were hurt because people were pandemic panic shopping. And so emerging brands actually lost market share for the first time. Mm-hmm. And big national brands were able to reclaim shelf space that they had lost to emerging brands. But now that uh, the pandemic is more under control, um, I think we'll see emerging brands kind of reclaim that shelf space. And so that's where the real innovation happens. That's why, um, you know, people are always watching emerging companies because we're innovating. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that the buyer has changed, you know, um, that the average shopper, um, 
you know, actually your story of being dissatisfied, you know, when there's a, you know, a million different, you know, it's a pretty crowded space. There's a million different types of bars out there. And yet, you know, it's still not, it's still not necessarily meeting your needs. And so I just think brands uh, or, or buyers are just, you know, just, just much more open to trying new things and, and wanting exactly what they want instead of settling for what's there. Point you're making is actually a really important one, Ken. And the buyer almost has to suspend their own prejudices to be able to think outside the box, right? Because if the, fla- if the flavor doesn't relate to you because of your upbringing, doesn't mean it won't relate to somebody else in their upbringing. Does that make sense? So like, that's why the I in Unite is intentionally small. Because we believe that in order to actually unite and bring people together, you have to diminish kind of your own you suspend your own beliefs a little bit to like try to understand the world you're in and the world around you. And so it's when the buyer um, isn't reacting from a personal perspective, but is looking at it from a macro perspective that we think that there's great opportunity. That's awesome. Um, and so uh, I want to kind of get back to this, uh, you know, the, the conversation about, um, you know, what you, what you had to change, you know? So obviously, you know, when you launch a, a new CPG brand like this, you know, most people would consider trade shows like like you were, but obviously mm-hmm. those those weren't an option, um, at least at least for last year. Um, y- you mentioned that you know you had to um, figure out direct to consumer. So mm-hmm. did you already have your website developed, uh, you know, for launch? And were you already planning on you know having your own Shopify site and driving driving um, you know buyers directly to your site, or was that something that you developed once you saw what the pandemic was doing? No, we already had it developed. So we launched our website in February, right before the expo. Um, but I, you know, and there was an opportunity to buy direct there, but that was never, it was never built purpose built for the direct to consumer space. It was really built for, yes, we will, you know, if somebody wants to replenish and buy it directly from us, we'll definitely service that customer. But mm-hmm. really it was built from a perspective of like, we're going to be in retail and retailers need to be, come and see that you're a real business. And like, what is your offering and be able to research the business. So I actually spent the last six months kind of tweaking the website. And so we're actually getting ready to launch on a new site anytime um, in the next couple of weeks. Um, and so it'll be more optimized for direct to consumer. It'll have more information on it. And really, you know, it's an evolving thing that we're going to continue to innovate. Sure, sure. What about Amazon? Did you launch on Amazon pretty much right away? Yeah, we did launch on Amazon probably in April. So yeah, like the next month. Um, and it's something, you know, we we struggle to like really be super successful at, but I feel like we're getting our footing there. Okay. And what about other marketplaces, you know, like Fair Marketplace or Thrive? Did you go into any of those? Yeah, we did. We did um, Fair, which has been a great partner. We're in the other store. We were on Hubba before they shut their doors, which was very sad. Um, we are on, uh, snack magic, which we do really well on there. So there have been some alternative kind of marketplaces where we've been able to create brand awareness. Okay. And so if you had to kind of break down your, you know, percentage of business from direct to consumer versus retail, you know, what, what would your numbers kind of fall at? Um, it's probably 50, 50 at this point, but mm-hmm. next in the, this coming year, retail will overtake direct to consumer because we've been more focused on it. Okay, got it. And so do you have any upcoming, um, you know, retail partnerships that, that you want to talk about? 
I do, but I can't talk about them just yet. We are launching <laughs> with a major retailer in June, um, which we're very excited about. Oh, that's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, and, and the interesting thing, too, that I've seen, um, you know, along this point is that uh, a lot of retailers actually look at your direct-to-consumer um, business, and and that actually can help you to get into retail, right? Yeah. And so, and so that's that's actually a very common path. Um, few a few of uh, you know the brands that, that that I know real well actually had you know people like Costco or Target that approached them because mm-hmm. of how well they were doing with direct consumer. Absolutely, it definitely is a great testing ground. All right. So the, the other thing I wanted to ask about is, uh, did you launch with the, the three flavors right away or um, did you just launch with one flavor? No, we launched with the three. Okay. And so, you know, obviously you guys are very passionate about the flavors and it's, you know, pretty critical to, to your mission and to your brand. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you guys thinking about additional flavors and, and going forward? So we want to crowdsource our flavors and really build a community around Unite. So I don't want to, I want to make this brand like for the people. And, you know, I would say like, you know, United we snack, but it's really about understanding what our community wants and developing those flavors. So anybody can go on our website and submit their flavor um, that they would want to see that would represent them. And so we get great ideas from that, but we want to make, you know, global flavors or, you know, we'll have like an Asian inspired flavor and we'll have, you know, other flavors from other regions of the world that will, you know, round out the brand. That's awesome. And we'll continue to test. Yeah. We'll continue to test flavors. All right. So, um, did you, do you have uh, business partners with this? Um, you know, what about your team? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, I'm a solopreneur, but I do have a great team behind me. So I've got a great CFO. We've got great, um, a great marketing team and a great like outside sales team. Um, and then we've got a great um, operations consultant. So everyone kind of works around the brand. Um, and we've been able to really create some interesting growth through that model. And my husband also is part of my team. <laughs> pretty much uh, whether he wants to or not. I, I'd pretty imagine. much. Yeah. Like he's, you know, sometimes he's wrapping palettes and sometimes we're going over brand strategy. He's actually um, head of marketing for the LA Clippers. So oh. he comes from the NBA. Mm-hmm. And before that he worked in NASCAR. So he's got the sports marketing side. So we just, we're marketing geeks. We actually met in the NBA program studying marketing. And so we just love, we geek out all that stuff. Okay. Yeah. So that's what I was going to ask. It, it, it seems like you, 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 um, you know, focus a lot on marketing and, and um, even just in the way you've positioned your product, you know, there's a level of sophistication with, with marketing. Um, and so that's, that's your background. Um, is that what you were doing uh, with the, the family business before? Yeah. So marketing is my background. Um, I ran the business there. So it was like operations and marketing and sales and everything okay. else uh-huh. and HR, but with marketing, you know, I'm, extremely passionate about the consumer, right? I think businesses should not try to guess what their consumers want. They should just ask them and they should tell, you know, kind of create their KPIs and what's important in their company based on who's actually paying the bills, which are your customers, right? And so I'm relentlessly will pursue the consumer insight. And so we do lots of surveying and we do lots of, you know, just, I will like stalk people at the grocery store and ask them why they're buying the bar that they're buying, why they bought it, <laughs> you know, and I'm friendly. So people don't think it's creepy, <laughs> but I'll ask, you know, I'll be in the aisle be like, Oh, why, you know, help me pick one. Like, which one do you pick? Which one do you like? Right. And so just 
come at it from a, from an, being an open canvas. And so just really understanding the voice of the consumer is super important to everything I do. Yeah, so I was going to ask you uh, for an example of, of, of doing that um, with Unite. Um, and so, okay, stalking people at the grocery store. How, how does this, this work out? Um, and uh, is this about your product, you know, as they're looking at your product or is it any, any product and you're just trying to get in their head? No, like get in their head. This is like probably earlier on before we were on shelves. And, you know, I would be at whatever grocery store and I would just... I wouldn't just like sit there and wait for somebody to come down the aisle. That would be creepy. But if I was in the <laughs> aisle and somebody was in the aisle too, you know, I'm pretty chatty and um, people like, you know, I can interact pretty easily with people and I, I don't have that like, um, I don't know, you know, like insecurity around talking to people. And so I think it comes from being like an immigrant and moving around so much as being little. Like I can, like I went to eight different schools before high school. So I always was making new friends. Mm. And so I will naturally just strike up a conversation and just try to understand. But then I also, you know, use survey companies to try to survey people. So it's not like, you know, me asking specifically, but like a third party. Um, we get insights from like our Snack Nation um, partnerships. So I really want to, you know, understand objectively because your friends and family will just tell you what you want to hear. What you want is like the cold, hard truth. And Right. You know, I love when people, when I stumble across a video or something that somebody's uploaded a review of our bars and I'm like, yes, no, awesome. You know, and so to me, it's, it's invaluable. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, and, and so, um, other, other things with, with marketing, are you guys, um, are you currently driving traffic to, you know, directly to your site? Are you guys, um, you know, on Facebook, um, you know, buying ads or Google AdWords, are you doing anything like that? We do social media ad buying um, on Instagram and Facebook. Okay. And it, it, is that working okay for you guys? Or, you know, I, it, there's so many mixed results with these things. You know, I feel like, so the bar category got hit hard during COVID because this is an on-the-go product. So you eat it when you're on a plane, on a train, at your kid's soccer game. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're traveling, not necessarily when you're just sitting stuck at home. And so the bar category as a whole took a big hit last year. And so we were lucky in that we didn't know any better. So that was our baseline, but we are seeing it pick up this year. So now that like things are opening back up and people are getting back to somewhat of a normal state, um, we will hopefully see that continue to improve. Okay, great. And, and you mentioned that you are looking to um, launch a new website. Um, what, what about trade shows? Are you guys planning on attending any trade shows when, when they start up again? Probably not this year, but in 2022 for sure. Okay. Um, and, uh, I guess any, anything else that, that you, that you're, um, that you're working on right now that, uh, that you could share with us, uh, you mentioned a new retail partnership, a mysterious one that you can't tell us about, but, <laughs> you know, Stay which tight. is pretty exciting, but you know, what else are you, what else are you working on? And, uh, you know, what's, what's the future look like uh, for Unite? We're working on two new flavors. So this will hopefully launch, um, by the end of the year. And we're also working on um, just expanding our, our footprint in retail. We do have some, you know, good wins here to celebrate and then building brand awareness. So helping people hear about Unite, um, inviting them into the story, inviting them in to partner with me and bring, let's bring, you know, flavors that you guys care about. So I would love, I love connecting with people. Um, the best way is through LinkedIn because I'm always on there <laughs> and, you know, I'm just Claire. Okay. So if anybody wants to connect or has any questions, feel free to reach out. 
Okay, cool. And um, you mentioned uh, submitting flavors. Is is the best way to, to contact you on LinkedIn or can, is there a place on your website that they can do There's that? a form on our website that you can fill in. So. Okay, great. And your website again, uh, for, for those who don't know, what's the URL? Unitefood.com. Okay, well, wrapping up here, um, I just wanted to go through a quick, uh, quick fire round. Uh, okay. I'll ask you four questions and tell me the first thing that comes to your head. Okay. All right, what's uh, one tool or resource that's helped you the most in your current position? Books. Uh, any books in particular? That was actually the next one, which is which <laughs> one book that, that's helped you? Nail it, then scale it. Nail it, then scale it. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Um, and what is uh, one piece of advice that you give to your 21-year-old self? You already have everything inside you to succeed. And who is uh, one person um, that you'd love to, to take to lunch? That's such a good question. There's so many. Um, I would love to take to lunch probably Gary Hirschberger from Stonyfield. Um, and how come? I, I don't know him. Uh, he just has a really interesting founder story. So I love when entrepreneurs create things from from scratch. Or actually, also the Chibani founder, Hamdi Ukulele. I, I always picture his name, Ukulele. Like I just, you know, I relate to his immigrant story too. And so, you know, Stony Field and Giovanni kind of launched around the same time. So they would be good to take them both to lunch. Okay, that's awesome. All right. Well, I, I think that this is this has been great. Um, you know, particularly, I, I liked your point about um, the blessings of of COVID to a brand new a brand new business. You know, trying to find its way and how it equalized things. Um, I think that's that's pretty awesome. Um, do you have any parting? parting words for anybody that's out there just kind of working in the, in the world of physical products, you know, maybe they're, they're, they have a new brand or they're considering launching a brand. Do you have any, uh, you know, words of advice for, for that person? Surround yourself with people that are smarter than you because you'll go further and then lead with optimism, lead with abundance. You know, there are always opportunities, even in the dark darkness. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. That's inspiring. Well, you have been a great guest. I appreciate you hopping on. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. The Physical Product Movement Podcast is brought to you by Fiddle. To find out more about Fiddle and how our industry-leading inventory ops platform is giving modern brands and manufacturers full visibility into their inventory and operations, visit fiddle.io. And then make sure to search for physical product movement in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Fiddle, thanks for listening.